down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome everyone, hope you had a wonderful week. This is Karen Schoen, you're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor that is doing an incredible amount of work even in the face of Ian. Uh, Many people were down in South Florida, Governor DeSantis is doing an amazing job. I think only, I think 20,000 people are without power, which is a record. So he is right on top of everything. And it's such a pleasure when you have somebody who's competent at the wheel. That's what we need, which we don't have, unfortunately, in this administration. I wanted to share with you some of the things that I have read this past week um, and some of them need to be further discussed because this is going to be a tremendous impact on us economically if we allow this to continue. And what I'm talking about right now is the digital digitalization of our money. And what the Biden administration is attempting to do, and Janet Yellen has uh, said so repeatedly, is to destroy our dollar and our paper currency and make everything digital. Now, won't that be nice to get up in the morning and all of a sudden find that the government took 2% from your digital wallet? or 3% or 5%, just because they could. And that's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, we have people like Bill Gates, that criminal, and what he is doing is giving the UN a billion dollars. And part of this money is to go, I'm going to read you exactly the quote of what he is intending to do. It says, this funding will help expand infrastructure that a low and middle income countries can use to become more resilient to crises such as food shortages, public health treats, and climate change, as well as aid in pandemic and economic recovery. Sounds great, doesn't it? Now let's look at the other side. This infrastructure encompasses tools such as interoperable payment systems. Okay, there is your money. Digital IDs. So they want to make you into a number, not a person. Data sharing systems. This way, every time you touch the keyboard, they're recording what you're doing. And civil registry databases. Boy, when I saw that one, I thought my head was going to explode. We cannot allow the American dollar to become digitalized, especially with a regime like this one. Uh, We have tremendous 
amounts of evidence showing that our FBI, CIA, all of our agencies have been weaponized against the American people. And now they're going to take our money by digitalizing it. So folks, another job when you are talking to your prospective candidates, ask them what they will do to stop digital money. The only thing that's going to stop this ESG and digital garbage is we the people stop investing in these companies. Uh, we listened the other day to the governor of Louisiana, if you had a chance, and what he has done is he has pulled, he has met actually with BlackRock, and he has pulled almost a billion dollars out of BlackRock because Louisiana, surprise, surprise, produces fuel. <laughs> uh, this is their whole entire, uh, other than um, visitors, this is their economy. And what they are doing, what a BlackRock is doing is saying, we're not going to invest in a, a, a fossil fuel economy. So Louisiana, we're not going to invest in you. And the treasurer said, don't invest in you. We're not going to invest in you. So they're pulling out their money. Well, all of a sudden, BlackRock had a, uh, oh, my goodness, a come to Jesus moment where they said, oh, my goodness, what happens if others do this? Well, that is up to us. And that's where Americans have a choice. You do not have to put your pension funds. You do not have to put your 401k or annuity, anything in any company that does and goes through digitalizing money and working on an ESG score. Because if your ESG score is not high enough, guess what happens to your ability to lend money, your ability to work? Well, they will be taking that away. Another thing that I saw this week, which was at least something I felt something good, was that uh, Peter Daszak and Barack conspired to circumvent gain-of-function funding restrictions and transfer both money and technology to the Wuhan lab in China. And uh, right now, Thomas Rents from the Rents Law is suing both Peter Daszak and Barack for allowing this to happen, for actually giving the money for funding gain of function. So that is a good thing. This is a lawsuit filed against the EcoHealth Alliance, President Peter Daszak. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the real thing that is totally being missed, I think, by everyone, uh, too many news outlets have I have been through scouring all kinds of articles and papers and things online, and I am finding such a lack of this last topic. So let's get there. But before we get there, I wanted to talk to you also about what is going on in our schools for change. So what is New York State doing? They're going to change charter schools. So instead of being privately run, they're going to let the community run the charter school. Won't that be exciting? Hopefully, the community won't be a communist community, because if it is, that's what will be in our charter schools. So, folks, we have to pay attention. This is the charge of the American people. And what I was alluding to before 
of not being told, not being reported, is what's going on at our border. And when I talk about our border, I like to bring in my favorite expert, Michael Cutler, who knows more about the border than I could even possibly imagine. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And I have a question. Um, when we talk, we always say that the immigration laws are acting ex are doing exactly what they are supposed to be doing. And the major part is that we're not following them. But I thought maybe we should do a little bit of a discussion of what exactly is in the immigration law that's not being followed and why uh, many of the states are now suing the federal government because they are not following the laws. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me. And maybe you can give us a summary of what is in that immigration law that's not being followed. Well, it's not that immigration law. It's an all-inclusive body of laws that are comprehended within the Immigration and Nationality Act, laws that you know I enforced and administered for the 30 years of my career with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. Um, what I think will be really helpful, because um, a, a course on immigration law would take a couple of years, I, I kid you not. It's, it's really very detailed and, and, and very lengthy. After the program, I would love people to, number one, go to my articles at Front Page Magazine or my website, michaelcutler.net. Front Page Mag is frontpagemag.com. Because I frequently include links to various immigration laws when I discuss them in my articles so that you can see what the law has to say. I will not make statements that I cannot back up with hard, cold facts. Facts are stubborn things, right? Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, enumerates the categories of aliens, that is, non-citizens. And the term alien, by the way, is also included within the Immigration and Nationality Act. And it's not a dirty word. It's not the N-word. It's not a pejorative. It's not an insult. It doesn't say people who smell bad or people who are stupid. An alien simply defined as any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult. But going back to Jimmy Carter... They've tried the lunatics on the left and the globalists, and many are on the right, have tried to divest the language from the term alien and refer to any foreign national as an immigrant. So then if you dare suggest that we keep anybody out of the country, whether they're child molesters, murderers, terrorists, human traffickers, you're anti-immigrant. Now, in point of fact, the immigration laws um, have nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. It's about protecting America. And that's why if you go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, you will see who we're trying to keep out of the country, who we're supposed to keep out of the country. We're not trying, but who we're supposed to. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Think COVID. Think Ellis Island, a quarantine station. Aliens who have severe mental illness. Again, think about Ellis Island. Think about people... Uh, who are violent, uh, sex offenders, etc. Then we get to aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who've been previously deported, aliens who've lied on applications for visas and were found guilty of committing immigration fraud. By the way, immigration fraud was identified by the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony because, believe it or not, as an immigration agent, I've investigated and arrested international terrorists. And finally, we get to aliens who would become a public charge, or if they work, 
would displace American workers and drive down the wages of Americans and lawful immigrants who are similarly employed. And I'd love anyone to stand up who is opposed to immigration enforcement and tell me what is wrong with enforcing a series of laws that are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans, period. That's what the laws are about. You had Republicans who did not want to fund Trump's border wall, and everybody went nuts. And frankly, what upset me the most with Donald Trump was his inability to articulate his thoughts clearly, concisely, and persuasively, because the facts, the law, common sense, and morality were all on his side. The border wall, and this is going to shock your listeners, I'm sure, and I'm not misspeaking, the border wall was not designed to stop the entry of a single human being into the United States of America, period, full stop. And if you're wondering, then why in the world would we build the wall? Well, the wall was not supposed to block off ports of entry. So what the wall was supposed to do was to force everybody to go through a port of entry so they could be screened going back to that section of law, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. By the way, while I retired as a senior special agent for the old INS, I began my career as an immigration inspector at Kennedy International Airport here in New York City. So understand that I applied those laws for the first four years of my career sitting in a booth at Kennedy Airport, where, as I <clears throat> explained when I helped Arizona with SB 1070, I described the first four years of my career sitting in that booth as the time that I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. So when you have people saying, we don't want a border wall, what they're telling you is they want illegal immigration and they want narcotics to flow freely into the United States, along with other contraband, which includes counterfeit parts that wind up in airplanes uh, and in other critical uh, infrastructure and devices that cost lives every year. If you don't think we need to make sure everyone goes through a port of entry, then you don't want integrity to the system that's designed to protect us. It's that simple. And the problem is far too many people profit by an open border. I, I've testified at many hearings in the House and Senate. And I remember one time having a major argument with an individual who belonged to an organization linked to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And he said to me during a recess, because the members of Congress had to go vote, he said, Mr. Cutler, you need to stop this nonsense about border security. I said, that border is our first and last line of defense. He said, it's an impediment to my wealth and the wealth of my colleagues. Do you know how much money you're costing us? And I said, but people can die. He said, people die every year. Who cares? And I looked him in the eye and I said, you know, I hope if God forbid there's another terror attack, they don't hurt a hair on your head. He said, you're very kind. They said, no, I'm not. I want you to survive, but I'd love to see you be inches away from your family as they get vaporized within your view. And he asked if I wanted to step outside. I took off my jacket. He sat down and that was the last stupidity that came out of this guy's mouth, uh, at least in talking to me. But the stupidity continued as he testified after the recess. The point that we have to understand is that there's nothing anti-immigrant about the immigration laws. In fact, it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities, and not just from Latin America, because universal uh, uh, human nature is universal. 
As an agent, I've worked with many foreign governments. I arrested an individual wanted for murder in Israel. My first fraud case caused me to trip over a terror plot in Israel. We prevented the bombing of an oil refinery. I got an award from the government of Japan. I worked closely with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, British Customs, New Scotland Yard, and the list goes on. So we're really talking about a series of laws that are designed to protect people's lives and livelihoods. And, and so we're now in a situation where the immigration system, and we're told is broken. By the way, the immigration system is not broken. Now, that's going to be a shock. The immigration system has morphed from a system of laws and a governmental agency designed to protect us to a delivery system. And what it delivers is an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And when I talk about cheap labor, it's not just the illegal aliens. It's the high-tech workers. The Republicans, Bob Goodlatte, Republican, chief he was the, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, loved pushing H-1B visas, which displace American high-tech workers. This is what Alan Greenspan testified for at the behest of Chuck Schumer, another globalist, okay? And they said, he, what, what Greenspan said was that in order to reduce wage inequality, we need to make high-tech American workers, workers with advanced degrees, compete with foreign workers to cut their wage premium. And once we do this, then we greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So that a guy with an MBA or a PhD uh, should make not much more than the guy that dropped out of high school, according to Greenspan. This is communism, okay? And he referred to high-tech American workers as the privileged elite, earning a wage premium because they're being shielded from foreign competition. Well, the immigration laws are supposed to shield American workers from foreign competition. So when you hear the crooks in Washington talk about we need to modernize the immigration law, primarily what they want is to strike that paragraph in 1182 that talks about not allowing in foreign workers um, to take jobs when Americans are ready, willing, and able to do the jobs. They want to be able to say, we don't need to hire any Americans. We should be able to hire anybody from anywhere in the world as we see fit, which is why I oppose, and again, listen carefully, I oppose the notion of America first. No, I'm not lacking patriotism, but the term America first in this twisted era really means corporate America. And most corporations could give a rat's tail about America, Americans, their employees, or even the consumers who buy their dreck, okay? We need a policy of Americans first. The American people should be coming first. We the people, not we the corporations, not we the CEOs, we the people. We need to change that word from America first to Americans first. One other quick observation. And then I want to talk about the so-called, what's well, not so-called, but the crisis on the southern border. I'd love to know why people referred to the lunatic left as liberals. And I've seen conservatives refer to liberals as libertards and all this other nonsense, which, by the way, is not the way you're going to win anybody over to our side. And we need to win over as many people as possible. We need to have honest, open conversations. We need to sit down with our neighbors and talk about what our concerns are for ourselves, our children family members in America. There's nothing liberal about the lunatic left. I'm a liberal. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. But before you get excited, 
liberal, if you look it up, means a person who accepts that other people have different perspectives, that all people should be able to get their opinions heard. Doesn't mean you have to agree with me, but we need to be respectful and willing to listen to other viewpoints. That's what a liberal is. The lunatic left has created this cancel culture. It's my way or the highway. There's nothing liberal about the so-called liberals. They've become communists. They've become totalitarians. They've become authoritarians. And they have become fascists. And when we refer to them as liberals, people that aren't thinking, not paying much attention, say, oh, I identify as a liberal. So these are the people I should be identifying with. Wrong. Wrong. Um, I never lost a debate back in high school or college. I was going to teach debate on the college level when I had the opportunity to become a federal agent, so I seized upon that opportunity. But understand, you cannot win a debate when you permit your adversary to identify who you are and you fail to articulate who your adversary is. There's nothing liberal about the lunatic left. Bear that in mind the next time you have a discussion about liberalism uh, and about where the Democrat, I call it now the Deathocrat Party, has gone. And I don't take pleasure in saying it. Again, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I'm a labor guy. My dad was a construction worker, tradesman of the heart and soul of America. When we hear this garbage about the work Americans won't do, any politician who uses that expression should find out about the work we will no longer allow that politician to do, and that's to remain in political office. Americans have always done the toughest jobs, We've always been the world's brightest and best. When Ted Cruz said, we need to import the world's best and brightest, and I told him that I was from Brooklyn, and where I come from, we have a word for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. He had a meltdown. Both parties are doing this. And now the latest charade is the southern border. And it's not just a charade, but I want to know why everyone keeps talking about the crisis at the southern border while ignoring the other means of entering the country that are being exploited by criminals, terrorists, and the narco-traffickers. And, and to this end, I would call your attention to two press releases released by the screwed-up Justice Department under Biden, because even they had to announce this. This is July 29th, 2022. Here's the title. Quebec man pleads guilty to conspiracy to import and distribute fentanyl. Jason Joey Berry, 39, of Montreal, Canada, pleaded guilty today to conspiracy to distribute fentanyl and import it into the United States, resulting in serious bodily injury and death. And the press release lists over a dozen co-conspirators who flooded quantities of fentanyl into the United States across the Canadian border. But all we're hearing about is the Mexican border, okay? And this is just one case. I promise you, there are many, many others. There was also another... Well, we often forget that there are multiple borders in America. We don't just have a southern border. We have a northern border. And then we have a seacoast, two of them. Right. So, so there have, are multiple have... ways for these people to get and, there. And we're ignoring intentionally and... all of the ways. The The U.S. border runs over 100,000 miles when you include the coastline. And I promise you there are boats coming in without detection along our coastline. The way people run the border, it's not just seaports. It's the, the coastline. Right. And yet we're being told... Focus all your attention on just 2,000 miles, on 98, while 98% of the border is being ignored. And what's also being ignored is we have international airports. 
And if you look at what the 9-11 Commission had to say, most of the terrorists came in through international airports. And a lack of interior enforcement of the immigration laws led to the attacks of 9-11 and other uh, and other such attacks. And, and in fact, so this comes from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, page 54. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. In so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here, primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, and that's what we're hearing from the millions led in by Biden, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activities. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. And when you listen to Ted Cruz and all the other Republicans, they want to hire Border Patrol agents. Have you ever heard them talking about hiring ICE agents, Karen? No, and I hold that thought because we have a break coming up, and this is so important. Folks, part of the problem, and this is something that Mike said, which I want to pick up later, but calling people's liberals. You're absolutely right, Mike. We should not be doing that. These people are globalists. They have no desire to help America or Americans. They are looking at the world as their playground, and they are not interested in putting America or Americans or any country first because it cuts into their profit. And that's all they really care about. They don't care about America. They don't care about Americans. They don't care that America was the greatest producer and the greatest innovator. They're not interested. If it doesn't put cash in their pocket, they don't care. Mike, can you tell everyone before the break where they can find you? And then we'll come back and pick up this important discussion. Sure. I can be found in Lost and Found. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't resist. By the way, before I forget, I hope that you and, and, and yours uh, did well with this terrible storm that blew through far, Florida. I meant to start out by, by mentioning that to you. Oh, thank you. This was a wind event for us, unlike Michael, which was a rain event. So we were very fortunate. We only okay. got the fringes. Thank God. So so anyway, my, my website is michaelcutler.net. I mentioned it briefly. I write for Front Page Magazine. I've been writing for them, the David Horowitz Freedom Center, sponsors it over uh, since, 19, since 2014. I'm very proud of my affiliation with David Horowitz and his Freedom Center. And I also do a blog talk radio program Friday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time, the Michael Cutler Hour. And generally, I do a rehash of all the insanity of the previous week, and there's generally never a shortage of material to discuss. 
No, so that's you the are. Michael Cutler hour. You are absolutely right. There is never a shortage of material with these lunatics. No. Uh, folks, you are listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, who is working on uh, new legislation that will incorporate choice. But remember what I say choice doesn't matter if you don't pay attention to what your kids are reading. It doesn't matter whether they're in a public school, private school, home school, whatever school, it doesn't make any difference. Charter school does not matter. It is the content of the material that they're reading and that propaganda that is the only thing that counts. And that is why so many of our children, 50% of them cannot read, write, and do simple math. So please pay attention to what the Alliance is doing and copy, feel free to copy, take any of the information and use it in your state. And with that information, don't go away. We will be right back. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, and my fabulous guest, Michael Cutler. Uh, we had been talking about not so much that the immigration law is broken because there's nothing wrong with it, but more that the people don't follow it. And that, of course, is the biggest pressing problem when we realize that the immigration laws were put in place, as Mike said, to protect the American people. 
And the problem is, is that we have globalists who could give a rat's hoot about the American people. All they are interested in is lining their pocketbooks. And this, of course, has created a tremendous problem for Americans. Mike, what do you think we now have... uh, recorded, they believe, over 5 million illegals in the country right now. What do you think is going to be the ramifications of that on our regular local society? How do this local uh, people, how do they contend with this? What do we do? Well, it's a mess. But but overall, by the way, uh, you know, we've, we've heard for years there are 11 million illegals in the country. And not undocumented, not unauthorized, illegal aliens, people in violation of immigration laws, right? You know, this whole name game goes back to George Orwell. Um, So I I jokingly said on a radio program years ago, well, if you don't like the term illegal alien, that is to say an alien illegally present in the United States, consider that I remember, and this was maybe 10, 12 years ago, Right after Labor Day weekend, the beaches in the Northeast get shut down. The lifeguards go home and they put up fencing around the beaches because they don't want people swimming without lifeguards. So I think it was in New Jersey. The lead story at CBS Radio here in New York was illegal swimmers were stopped by the police. Illegal swimmers. If you can be an illegal swimmer for swimming illegally, then you could be an illegal alien for violating our immigration laws, right? But it's all this nonsense about semantics to change the definition. I remember that I I did a debate with somebody from, I don't remember if it was the ACLU or La Raza, one of the usual suspects. And she kept saying to me, and this was about two years after 9-11, Mr. Cutler, they're not illegal, they're undocumented. And I said, really? Do you really want to stick with this false narrative? Because if I were you, illegal is a lot better than undocumented. Undocumented means that we don't know who they are. And in this dangerous world, you cannot tell a good guy from a bad guy without a scorecard. Undocumented means they have no scorecard. Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. They are telling you that these people's identities are unknown just after 9-11. Within two days, both that group and the Bush administration, and George W. Bush did incredible damage to us. He created DHS, the Department of Homeland Surrender, as I call it, in violation of the Homeland Security Act. They were never supposed to divide immigration at the border from immigration from within the interior, CBP, Customs and Border Protection, and ICE. That violated the law. They were never supposed to fold other agencies in. They were, And then he took people with zero immigration experience and put them in charge. They had no interest, <laughs> no inclination, and no experience in enforcing immigration laws because he was a globalist. And very often it was the Republicans, Jim Sensenbrenner, John Hostetler, um, Lamar Smith, and several others, who frequently called me to testify at hearings in Washington to refute what the president said. It was kind of an interesting place to be being called by the Republicans to call out a Republican president for doing incredible damage. Think about that. The the problem is both sides of the aisle are making tons of money. And it was the Republicans, truth be known, who started this push. It was Reagan's amnesty. It was Reagan's cancellation of the visa program, the visa waiver program that he implemented, the diversity visa. These are all creations of the Republicans. So when people say to me, how could you vote for a Democrat? Well, I haven't voted for a Democrat in years because they're not Democrats, as I pointed out. But please don't take solace or have false hope 
by looking for the little r or the little d and those letters keep shrinking as the differences keep shrinking mike that's why i call them globalists because they that's are right. in both parties they're republicans that's they're right republicans i like that yes <laughs> and, and understand pardon me we're being killed by by chemical warfare Okay, over a hundred thousand died of fentanyl, not overdoses, but poisoning. Why do I say not overdoses? Because the fentanyl is disguised as legitimate pharmaceuticals and is disguised as candy. So it's not like somebody took an overdose, they took something not knowing that it was actually fentanyl, which is so lethal that two little grains, like two grains of salt, can kill. This is why we have. Parents who have been screaming, if you listen, so, saying that their child, I read a, an article, this um, man, his daughter, uh, she ordered a Percocet and got and, fentanyl. And she ordered it online. And she ordered it online, <laughs> well, why, and it was why, laced yeah, with fentanyl. What kind of rational parent allows a child to order pharmaceuticals when they're 13? I have no idea. There's many issues. You know, we know there's a ter terrible drought in the West and it's only going to get worse. And we could talk about climate change. I'm not an expert, but I can tell you that I've spoken to many people with PhDs in the appropriate scientific disciplines who agree with me that carbon dioxide levels are being driven by the Earth's temperature change, not the other way around. Okay. But nevertheless, what is not in dispute is that there's a drastic shortage of water. Let's say Biden let in 2 million, 5 million might be possible. Again, no one's looking at the northern border. They're not looking at who's being allowed in through international airports. We're looking at 2% of the border and being told this is the entire picture. You're looking at a couple of pixels rather than stepping back to look at the whole picture. And you're told, this is it. And we're told this by the Republicans, by the Democrats, and by the news media, including, for the most part, the so-called conservative stations. Although, to their credit, Newsmax has me come on frequently, and nobody censors me, and no one says, this is what you need to say, or what do you plan to say? And then they decide if they want me. They just say, can you come on at 2.30 tomorrow and we'll talk about immigration. Then I come on and I'm given free reign, which is unusual in the news business these days. Um, but understand, if you have a drought, and I did a little bit of digging, and each human being requires roughly 100 gallons of water per day to survive for cooking, for sanitary reasons, for drinking and so forth, right? Washing clothing, taking showers. 100 gallons per day. If Biden let in 2 million, 200 million gallons of water per day are disappearing at the time of a massive drought in the West. I did an article for Front Page Magazine, and my title was that they need to conduct an environmental impact study before anyone has any kind of a conversation about changes in immigration policy. And everyone on the right, because, you know, when you're a hammer, everything is a nail, Oh, the Democrats just want to bring in more voters. I wish that's all they were doing. It's my belief that the goal of the Democrat Party is to crash the economy. Okay? And you do that by flooding America with people. You know, I previously referred to comprehensive immigration reform um, as the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Jeff Sessions, when he was the senator of, of Alabama the, back in 2006, quoted me because I had written an op-ed to that point in the Washington Times. He quoted me on three separate days during the floor debate, uh, wherein I, I gave it that new and descriptive name. I, I was so sorry about, you know, the way Trump uh, got rid of uh, 
Sessions, I wish he were back in the Senate. He was one of the best senators. I know the guy I had dinner with him and his wife in Florida. He was there with the David Horowitz Freedom Center as well back in 2014, I believe it was. But I also give comprehensive reform a new name. I call it the Overwhelm America Act. Because we're being told that there was 11 million. Princeton University, I think MIT and others, about five years ago, estimated the number at more than double that. And that was before Biden and the lunacy. And now you have Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, screaming that a couple thousand aliens were brought to New York. And he said they're destroying the city. The Pew Research Center in 2018, and I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine, also uh, about how um, Eric Adams, the theater of the absurd, all of his jumping up and down. New York sanctuary policy attract huge numbers of illegal aliens. That's why El Chapo Guzman, the most prolific and violent of all the Mexican cartel drug leaders, turned New York City into his hub for drug dis distribution for the entire East Coast. I spent half my career with the Drug Task Force. For four years, I was the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. And then the final 10 years, I was a senior agent with INS, but assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So I had desks at DEA, the FBI, ATF, and I worked with other agencies. So if you look at what was happening, New York is the hub for the, 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 the trafficking in drugs. Why? We have the biggest police department, best equipped, best trained, because New York is a sanctuary city, uh, and it's a border town. Think about it. New York State has access to the Canadian border seaports and international airports. We hit the trifecta. And Pew said that New York City, of all the cities across our entire vast country, New York City has the greatest number of illegal aliens. Think about that. It's not only about Arizona. Oh, now every city is a border city. No, baloney. Every city has always been a border city. Probably half the illegals in New York didn't come from the border, but came through international airports. We have a huge population of people from the Dominican Republic. Not all of them are illegal, don't misunderstand, but they don't enter the United States through the Mexican border. Many of the people that are here and violate the law enter through international airports, and we have a bunch of them in New York State. Kennedy Airport is one of the biggest. So understand the damage. And now we're being told by many politicians, once we secure the Mexican border, then we could talk about lawful status. Really? What does that have to do with anything? We have no capacity to interview these people, period. We have absolutely no capacity to investigate the backgrounds or the statements made in their applications. See, it's not just illegal immigration. It's people that commit immigration fraud, okay? People that lie on their applications for benefits. In fact, my very first hearing where I testified before Congress is May 20th, 1997, and the topic was visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud because of the 93 terror attacks. Everyone says, Mike Cutler's an expert on illegal immigration. No, uh, and I hate the word expert because no one has all the answers. And if anyone ever tells you they have all the answers, as my parents, may they rest in peace, told me, run for your life. But I've been at this for a very long time. I even worked with Senator Aldamato in the early 80s, unofficially, not as an agent, but as an American, to create the aggravated felon reentry law that made unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year felony. Used to be two years, no distinction about criminal history. We changed that. Under Trump, it was the most frequently prosecuted felony pursued by the Justice Department. And by the way, one other quick point about the laws. We're always told another lie. Oh, immigration law, it's like jaywalking. It's like running a red light. It's administrative. Lie, 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 lie. And it was promulgated by a former Border Patrol chief who became a member of Congress. Uh, and, and, you know, the other members said that, well, is running the border a big deal? No, not at all. Really? You're talking <laughs> about terrorists and drugs flooding the country. 
there were allegations about corruption on the part of this individual. I won't mention his name. I don't feel like getting embroiled in a lawsuit, but I could tell you from insiders what I had heard about meetings that were going on in D.C. Uh, there, there were several flies on the wall that would call me after meetings. Immigration law comes in two flavors, administrative and criminal. The administrative law gets resolved by seeking the deportation of aliens who are here in violation of law. If the person has a green card and lied and we could show they lied, or the person has a green card and they commit felonies, then we can strip them of the green card and seek their removal from the United States. And then the law that I worked with D'Amato to create, along with um, uh, Walt Connery, who was the head of investigations in New York, unbeknownst to me, he was also pushing for the same thing. That law then kicks in to try to deter people from coming back if we deport them. Okay, so that's the administrative side. That's like jaywalking, right? If you if you run the border and you come back, you could wind up with a hundred dollar fine. It, it's it's minor. It's nonsense. The criminal laws are very different. So under the criminal law, one of which I helped to author, reentry calls for twenty years in jail. That's not what you do to jaywalkers. No, not at all. And if you lie on an application for a visa or you lie on an application for immigration benefit, and it involves terrorism, the prison sentence is 25 years. Jaywalkers don't go to jail for 25 years. It's all lies that we're being told. So they're saying, well, if we secure the Mexican border, and what about the people coming through Canada? What about the people landing at international airports and disappearing? We have 6,000 ICE agents for the whole country, 6,000. And because of the way that Bush put DHS together, most of the work they do have nothing to do with immigration. It's money laundering, intellectual property theft, customs laws, kiddie porn laws. I go down the whole list. And there's so many other agencies that deal with all of those violations of law. This was a way of creating busy work to make certain that the few immigration agents they hired would be kept busy so they couldn't do anything about really enforcing immigration laws. Well, Mike, we are going to be having an election and hopefully our new Congress will be filled with Americans, not globalists. What can we, the people, do? All right. Great question. And here's what you need to do. First of all, politicians are like magicians, okay? We've all seen the magic act. The magician stands on stage and says, I will cut my beautiful assistant in half. Now, we all know that if he really does it, he's going to go to jail. No one's ever going to work with him again. And maybe he hoped to get lucky that night. (laughs) (laughs) So, So he creates an elaborate illusion that he cut her in half. And then at the end of the act, she jumps up on stage and everyone is relieved to see that not a hair on her head has been harmed. Everyone that's reasonable says, let's really make a secure border. Okay, let's know who we're letting in. And politicians know that most Americans want that. So their challenge is to create the illusion of doing just that because they know that if they really do it, the money that bribes them will dry up. The politicians are the employees of the lobbyists. Think about it. Think about the employer-employer relationship. The employer writes the check. The employee cashes the check. And then you have liars in Congress, both parties. I don't take PAC money, political. Really? Your party does. And if you do as you're told and you're a good boy or a good girl, because I still see sexes as being binary, if you're a good little boy and a good little girl, they will write you a check and they become the money launderer for these globalists, for the lobbyists, for you know all these people who could care less about Americans. So you need to go to the town hall meetings with these politicians. I recommend you use your smartphone to tape it. 
and you ask them questions. And the follow-up is critical. In a debate, the first question is like the jab when you're boxing, and I boxed as a kid. If you uh, then ask the effective first question, it's the follow-up, that's the right cross to the jaw. That's the haymaker. So you ask them, why do you simply focus on the Mexican border? You know, whatever. But you've got to be focused. Don't tell me you're going to secure the border. And then you follow up and say, what does that have to do with the ability to screen these people? And by the way, and this is what Trump should have raised with Biden. But again, I had a conniption every time he spoke at the debate. The question he should have asked Joe Biden, hey, Joe, did you read the 9-11 Commission report? I, I mean, think about that. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel said this about the legal immigration system. Listen carefully. This is about immigration fraud. And Biden wants to legalize everybody. So this is from the 9-11 Commission staff report. It's an official report published by the government printing office. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, and that's DACA. By the way, the courts have ruled that DACA can no longer continue, which is a great ruling. Yes, that was great. And also it's there was great. another ruling. They uh, The government has to follow immigration law. Yeah. And if isn't that amazing? The government no, has it's not to amazing. follow. When it's I worked, disgusting. I, I, I mentioned when I helped with SB 1070, and, you know, and the media reported that the courts ruled against Arizona's immigration. They ruled against some and four others. One of the issues that I raised, and it became part of the legal framework for their defense when they went to the Supreme Court, is that the police have to identify the people they encounter while they're on duty. And so, that they can send them back well, wait they a can deport. Wait, wait. So that was really good. Yeah, wait, wait a sec, Karen. So the point is, when a police officer stops you for, let's say, blowing a stop sign or speeding, he or she doesn't have to give you a ticket. They can arrest you. So that police officer is doing a bail hearing on that corner trying to figure out whether or not you're going to show up in traffic court if they give you a ticket and don't arrest you. If you don't know the identity of the person you just stopped, how do you make sure they're going to show up? Plus, it's about officer safety. Plus, it's about community safety. Plus, law enforcement, like politics, is local. On 9-11, America was attacked. But on 9-11, it was my hometown that was attacked. On 9-11, a building complex on a street corner in my hometown was reduced to rubble, along with nearly 3,000 people. Many more have died since. So law enforcement is local as well as federal. Terror attacks generally play out on street corners in towns around our country. So the cop is that first line of defense, you see. But let me just finish what I was saying. So as already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. Flooding the asylum system with all these millions of applications means that there's no opportunity to scrutinize any of the applications, even though this was the mechanism used by the terrorists. And finally, they said, in many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Okay? So we now have millions of people here. Let's not get caught up in the numbers. It was 19 hijackers on 9-11 who killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. It was two brothers that created hell at the Boston Marathon in 2013, okay? It was a couple in, in California 
who created that hell when they went after people who had worked with his wife when she became pregnant, if you remember that one. I believe it was in San Bernardino. And there have been other <laughs> such cases. So you have all these people here. We know from open hearings that Hezbollah is working throughout Latin America with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood America with drugs and people, including sleeper agents. And the money from the proceeds of the drug trade is being used to fund Iranian terrorism around the world. Understand that this is all interconnected, but it's not just the Mexican border. And now I'm going to ask you a question that I want your audience to think about this, because again, it's the crime of omission, not the crime necessarily of commission, the way they lie to us. Let's say 25 million illegal aliens participate in the amnesty that Republicans and Democrats alike continue to push for. This has been going on for, gosh, 15 years now, right? If we can't deport them all, then we should give them status. Baloney, right? Right. In fact, people have said to me, what do you do with the people they don't arrest? That I said, you know, I'm a Jew from Brooklyn, and Jews answer a question with another question. So considering your question, you tell me what do the cops do with the drunk drivers they don't catch? The point is, you arrest as many as you can. You make them pay a significant price. They know they've had a very bad day when they encounter you. And then... You publicize it so that people understand that if they're caught, they're not going to have a good day. Okay, that's what you do. This isn't justification for amnesty. These are all lies. But now here's my question, though. And it's not the same question as what was the color of George Washington's white horse, although it may sound like it at first. If we legalize 25 million illegal aliens from all over the world, including countries that sponsor terrorism, Think about the Afghan refugees led into the country, and now it's been admitted that they weren't screened, okay? And now that the FBI is asking for more money to chase after all these people that have been dispersed across the country. So here's the question. How many aliens would get lawful status if we legalize 25 million illegal aliens? Oh, by the time they bring in their families? That's right. That's right. And So they're entitled, and I agree with the law because when we move, we move with our wives and children or our husbands and our children, right? right? So if let's say on average, each legalized illegal alien has four children back home and a spouse, how many people are we bringing in? We're looking at an influx of over 100 million kids. And I wrote about it and someone commented and said, well, there aren't that many in Latin America. That might be true, but we're talking about people from Pakistan, yep. from Jamaica, from Haiti, from Ghana, from Liberia, you name the country, Israel, England, France, Germany, doesn't matter. You're looking at the influx of 100 million or more. According to the globalist, Mike, that's what they want. They are shooting for 100 million people to come into America. and and, And you would have even more than that. And by the way, why are there no ads warning about the dangers of fentanyl? Cigarette smoking is almost a non-issue today because the commercials, and they're still going at it every day. I can't bear to watch the commercials. My dad died of lung cancer because he smoked those awful Chesterfields, and he worked in Navy shipyards during the Second World War. My pop was a hero, as was my mother. So what, what exactly are we looking at? What we're looking at is the fact that if you took drug money out of Wall Street banking and real estate, which is how they launder the money, those industries would go belly up. Our economy is floating on drug money. And so if if these politicians are serious, why isn't the Republican Party running public service announcements every day the way that they do with the cigarettes and warn people? 
Don't take drugs. Don't allow your children to go to the internet to order anything. Okay? That's what they would be doing if they really cared about Americans. And we need to confront politicians face-to-face and ask them that question. What have you done to discourage people going on the internet to purchase drugs? What have you done to warn people about it? What have you done to support American workers? I'm old enough to remember when Sputnik was launched, and it was Eisenhower who said, we're going to educate American kids in math and science so America can lead. He didn't say we're going to go to India and have them send us their best and brightest, the way the current crop of Republicans like to say. Americans have always been the world's best and brightest. Look at all that we've achieved, every race, every religion, every ethnicity. And one other quick point about the globalists and crime and the dangers we're facing. Catch and release started with immigration, and then it went from immigration to criminal justice. And you have these idiots saying, oh, we need to decriminalize resisting arrest. You know why they want to decriminalize resisting arrest? I've made many arrests. And if someone resists, you're fighting for your life. We carry firearms. If we can be overpowered by a thug that we're attempting to take into custody, they can gain control of our gun and kill us and other people. So resisting arrest is very serious. And if you look at most police shootings, and more whites than blacks, by the way, get shot by the police. But if you look at most police shootings, what precedes the incident? The cop. Well, no, the, 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 the guy is told, get out of the car. Right. The guy is told, you're under arrest. The guy resists, and then things head south very quickly. The people that want to decriminalize resisting arrest want more dead civilians. They want more reason to rev up the, the, the lunatics in our society into believing that the problem is the police. Uh, you know, there's precious few shootings by cops. Um, anyone or any inappropriate shooting is a tragedy and, you know, every, every single one counts, but do you know, I did a little digging and in 2018, according to Johns Hopkins, there were over 250,000 deaths attributable to medical malpractice. Has anyone called for closing down or defunding hospitals? Well, sometimes that might be good. And unfortunately, Mike, we're running out of time, but. I want you to come back again because this is a conversation that must be continued. Absolutely. Uh, We cannot stop until our borders are secure. This is our national security. And our immigration laws are enforced from within the interior. Have those conversations with your neighbors. That would be nice. (laughs) Educate your neighbors. Yes, educate. Mike, tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. Again, my website is michaelcutler.net. I write extensively for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and I have the Michael Cutler Hour on Blog Talk Radio, Friday night, 7 p.m. East Coast time. And please remember, folks, that democracy is not a spectator sport. We really need to have conversations with our neighbors and the facts, the law, common sense, and morality are all on our side. Our neighbors are not our adversaries. They're our allies once we win them over, and we can. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, have a wonderful week. Remember, 
It is of utmost importance that you vet your candidates before you fill in that circle. Know who you're voting for and don't pay attention to party because globalists are in both parties. See you again next week. And thank you so much, Mike. It is always a pleasure to have you with me. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you for the great work. But I'll always stand proud and free. I'm America. Don't tread on